Welcome, welcome, welcome to Faith Church. I hope you guys are having a great day already. And uh, man, just believing today as we start a new journey on this series entitled Follow, that God's going to help you and God's going to help me. God's going to help us together to really make some radical progress in this thing that we're going to talk about today. So, hey, listen, let me just ask you, I'm going to throw a couple words out. And as I throw these words out, I want you to, want you to kind of think some word association. And I want you to think kind of definition. Now, don't overthink this. Just kind of what's the first thing that comes to mind? How would you define these? What do you think of when you hear these words? Um, an American. An electrician. A Canadian. A football coach. See, with all those words, I want you to notice something. It's, it's so easy to define it. You can define what an electrician is. It's easy, it's simple, it's clear. You can define what a football coach is. It's simple, it's easy, it's clear. Not only can you define it, but watch, watch, watch. It's easy immediately to say either you are one or you're not one. Either you're a football coach and you, or you're not. Either you're an electrician. Now, some of you guys think you're electricians. I, and I'm not talking about these guys that got, get shocked and then the wife has to call the real electrician. Like either you are, right, are you all with me? Uh, it's clear and either you are or you're not. But watch, there's another word for, for some reason, and it's a word that's important to probably every one of us in this room. It's a word that's important to probably every one of us watching online. But it's a word that for some reason is not as easy to define. And for some reason there's some confusion who is and who isn't. We know who's an electrician. We know what a football coach is. But here's the word I want you to think of. What, what is the definition of? What do you think of when you hear the word Christian? See, all of a sudden, it starts to get a little muddy. All of a sudden, when we hear the word Christian, we're not quite as sure. In fact, if I ask 100 people in this room to give me a definition of what is a football coach, every one of you could give a simple, accurate definition, and you could immediately say, your 10 closest friends, are they football coaches or are they not? But if I said, I, and I ask 100, the same 100 people, tell me what a Christian is, I would get 100 different answers. And if I said, tell me if you and your closest 10 friends are Christians, you'd be like, um, well, I think a Christian, um, well, it might be this. And yeah, my, my one friend, she goes to church, and what she said, she, like all of a sudden it gets muddy. Does anybody see that? Like this, in, this word that's so important to us, for some reason, people who call themselves Christians can't define what a Christian is. For, for us, people who say they're Christians are not even really sure kind of what that means. For some of us, because it has a lot of different meanings, in fact, there are about 7 billion people in this world, about 3 billion of them claim to be Christians. So Christianity is a very broad term. Being a Christian is a huge term. But like, what does it mean? For some of you, being a Christian means that you took a class, right, in, in, in church. You took like a, an eight-week discipleship class, and now you're a Christian. Some of you have a Catholic background, and so you, you got confirmed. And so now you're officially, you weren't before, but now you're officially a Christian. And for some of you, it's, it was baptism. When you got baptized, that made you a Christian. Some of you, it's when you prayed a prayer. Anybody remember praying the prayer for like the ninth time? For like the 900th time? I remember when I first got saved, like I messed up all the time. And so every Sunday I was getting resaved and I was rededicating my rededicated rededication because I just wanted to make sure if there was a car crash on the way home from church, I was going to be with Jesus. Is anybody with me? So what is a Christian? How, how do we get there? What, is, what does it mean? It's, it's not clear. It, it's, it's not really, again, it's this thing. It seems like it morphs. It seems like it's not really understandable. And so this word Christian, here's, here's the wildest thing about this term. 
This word Christian that so many of us in this room claim, so many people in this world claim that we can't define, we can't describe, we can't get on the same page of. For some of us, it's the church you were raised in. If you weren't raised in the church you were raised in, then the other people aren't Christians, right? We have groups of Christians, you're Christians, but you're not Christians. It's not clear. This word Christian, here's the really odd thing, and I want you just to track me. This word that's so important to us, so important globally, is a word that has very little importance to Jesus, It's a word that has very little importance in Scripture. In fact, the word Christian is only used a handful of times. It's used three times in the entire Bible. In the word Christian, and some of you have heard this before, the word Christian was not something that Christians ever called themselves. It was something they got called. People who in the first century, um, during the life of Christ and after specifically, the word Christian became a very derogatory term. It was a cuss word. It was a word that you describe people when, when uh, and here, here was kind of the idea. If you were associated with Jesus and kind of who he was, then you were described, that's a Christian. And it wasn't an endearing term. Hey, I, I think he's a Christian. Hey, I think that group over there, they're Christians. And so it was a bad term. It was not a good term. And for some reason, here, watch this, all of us call ourselves Christians, even though 2,000 years ago, Christians never called themselves Christians, Christians called themselves something else. And for us to understand who we are, what we're doing, why are we here, where are we going tomorrow, I I just want to tell you, we might have to rethink this term, Christian, because they didn't use the word term. So you have to ask yourself, if they didn't call themselves Christians, but they were called by outsiders, what did insiders call themselves? Do you know insiders didn't call themselves Christians? Insiders, one of the words that they called them to define themselves, and maybe you're one, I I would say I'm one, is that they call themselves a believer. Everybody say a believer. A believer. Do you know what a believer does? A believer believes. I mean, it's simple. And so as people believe, what they believe was, was this, that they believed that Jesus was uniquely the Son of God. As they watched him, as they heard him, as they listened to him, they came to this conclusion that there was something special and unique about Jesus. In fact, here's what we believe. We believe that Jesus lived perfectly, that he died sacrificially, and that he rose bodily. We believe that Jesus lived without sin. We believe that he he never fell short. He never broke the law. We believe that he lived a perfect, sinless, spotless life. And that when he died, he wasn't murdered. He willingly gave up his life. Do you know why? It's because every one of us in this room, we have struggles, sins, issues, downfalls. We can't do anything with it. But Jesus, the perfect, spotless son of God, carried my sin and carried your sin. He made it his own and he died. He paid the price. He was our substitutionary sacrifice. He died in our place. Come on, somebody. He took the price for our sin. And so we believe that he died sacrificially and that he rose bodily. Unlike every other religious icon and figure throughout history who you can still find, if you find their grave, they're in the grave. Jesus is not in the grave because on the third day, just like he predicted, Jesus got on up and he's alive and he lives forever. And so hear me, watch, watch, watch. So they didn't call themselves Christians. They call themselves believers because they believed. And there was another term that they were known by. In fact, this term, this term, is a term that Jesus used all the time. It was the term, it was the name that Jesus called people to. It was the term that Jesus used far more than any other. It was this term, disciple. Everybody say a disciple. A disciple, the word disciple means a learner or a student or a pupil. Basically what it means is this, is Jesus said, hey, as you spend time with me, you'll see how I am and and you'll see how I treat people. You'll learn from me and it'll change who you are. 
right? And that's, that's our call is, is that Jesus is our teacher. And as we learn from our teacher, we really learn something and we apply what we learn to our life and it changes who we are. Are you all with me? So now watch this, watch, watch, watch. So a disciple, again, this, this is so key. A disciple, this is what they do. A disciple decides to make the decisions Jesus makes their own decisions. So when I watch Jesus, when I watch Jesus, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. So she committed adultery and you didn't stone her, so you gave her forgiveness. Okay, so if, if I'm not about revenge and I'm not about judgment and Jesus is about love and forgiveness, maybe we should be about, y'all can say it, love and forgiveness. When you see kind of those things, all of a sudden it starts to impact, starts to impact who we are. But now let me, so watch this. So if I ask you what's a Christian, notice how that term is very vague, very ambiguous. But if I ask you what a believer is, there's no ambiguity. Either you're a believer or you're not. If I ask you if you're a disciple, not a Christian, if I ask you if you're a disciple, is Jesus your teacher and are you, are you, are you listening to, are you heeding the teachings of your rabbi, your teacher? Well, that's clear. There's no ambiguity there. But before, this is so important, I'm not even where I'm getting yet, before the disciples, the insider term, before the original Christians ever became disciples, they were believers. But before they ever became a believer, they were something else. And I want to talk about what the Bible, what Jesus, this is the word again, Jesus uses all the time. I want to talk about what the original disciples were. Because before we can ever be who God wants us to be, I think we have to start where they started. I want you to notice this. In the Gospels, here's what the Bible says. It says, one day, read it with me, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they were fishing for vandy camps. Keep going. Read it with me. And Jesus called out. Everybody say a he. Now stop. Don't read ahead. Stop it. Stop. Y'all are still doing it. (laughs) Jesus called out. Now Jesus, picture If Jesus was going to call out to somebody, what would we think Jesus is going to call out to somebody? Hey, hey, you need to stop it over there. Hey, you need to quit that behavior. Hey, here's a list of things that you need to start doing. Hey, have you heard the commandments? Here's the five things you need to stop doing, and here's the five things. We think that Jesus, if he's going to call out to somebody, if he's going to call out to you, if he's going to call out to me, that he's going to give us a list of do's and a list of don'ts. But I want you to notice that Jesus, when he came across this first group of people, this is what he said. He called out to them, read it, come and follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. Notice how simple Jesus starts. He says, hey, I'm not asking you to start doing anything. I'm not asking you to stop doing anything. I'm not asking you to believe anything. I'm not asking you, all I'm asking you to do is follow me. Notice it doesn't stop with those two. It says, and they left their nets, and once they followed him. Keep going. A little farther up the shore, the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat, repairing their nets. And he called to them. What do you think he called to them? Follow me. And at once they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. So, so watch this. Here's what we start to see happening as Jesus assembled the group who would be his disciples. Here's what we see happen in the very beginning as he assembled the group of men who would eventually be believers. They didn't start as believers. They didn't start as disciples. They started as a follower. 
And so this is so key because this word, this command, this call that Jesus gives, he gives it, we see in the New Testament recorded, he gives it to almost every single one of his disciples. Don't believe anything. You don't have to believe yet. Believe, that's, that's a big step. Discipleship, that's a big step. You don't have to take any big steps. All I want you to do is follow me. And you have to ask the question, why would Jesus, why would he invite people, why would that be his invitation to follow? And here's why. Because in the first century, people connecting with God was very hard. It had become very, very muddy, very difficult through all the religious systems of the day with all the temples and the gods and the goddesses. Some of you guys remember in high school or maybe college, right? There were all the Roman gods because they were in the Roman Empire. There were all the Greek gods because it was still a Greek culture in part. All the Greek gods and goddesses. Even God's own people, the Jews, right? They had, they had their sacrificial system that God had given Moses, but they added all of these extra complications on top of it until people found it very difficult to connect with God. In fact, I would say this about most, if not all of your friends, even the friends who say, I don't want to go to church, I don't care anything about God. Most of them say, I want to know God. I just don't want to go through that complicated what is, so you, I got to stand up and I don't know when to sit down and I don't know what to do. And what are those funny words they use that I don't hear anybody else use? So Jesus came, watch. Jesus didn't come to introduce another religious system to humanity. There was enough of that. What Jesus came to do is Jesus came, watch this, to show us the Father. He said, I want you to know, because some of you have gotten confused, some of you have learned things that aren't true, some of you have just kind of on your own made these assumptions about God, and he said, I've come to clear up the assumptions. I've come to redefine and help you to clearly understand exactly who God is. And he said this, he said, if you'll, if you'll see me, you'll see the Father. If you want to know what God is like, then watch me. And so if you want to know what God is like, I invite you to follow me. Everybody say follow he said, I just want you to accompany me. I just want you to spend time with me. You don't have to do anything yet. You don't have to change it. But just come and spend time with me. And as you spend time with me, here's what you'll find out. You'll see exactly who God is. And you'll hear exactly what God wants. Come on, church. He said, listen, he started teaching. And he started saying things at that time that was revolutionary. Not systems, not religious systems, not religious terminology. But he started talking about God and he started talking about us and he would say things like this. He would say, hey, from now on, when you think about God, I want you to think that God is your father and you're his children. Not that he's way out there somewhere and we're just a little speck of dust on a little speck of dust inside of a little speck of dust. He said, I want you to know that, you're, that, that the God out there somewhere, that when he looks at you, he sees you as your, his children. And when, he, when you look at him, he wants you to see him as your father. He's saying, I want you to know this thing, this religious thing is extremely relational. He said, not just that, but he taught, he said things like this. He said, hey, I want, when you think about God, I want you to think that God is like a, 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 a vine, and that you're a branch. And like you want to figure out like how do I get life and where does life come from? And joy, he said like just think like you're, if you're just connected to God, like life just flows to you. Like you don't have to make it happen. You don't have to fight. Like it just flows. That God is a life-giving vine. Here's another one. He said this, and this, this doesn't make as much sense to us today unless you really love petting zoos. But um, he said, hey, when you think about God, think that God is a shepherd and we're his sheep. Like, you know what? And the shepherd man watches out for his sheep and takes care of his sheep and leads his sheep 
you know, to still waters and he wants them to find rest. He said, I want you to know. He said, hey, God is not this God up there somewhere who's disconnected. He's not mad at the world just waiting to judge us one day. He said, I want you to know that God is our heavenly father. He loves us and he takes care of us like a shepherd and he gives us life like a vine. And you ought to see yourselves not as this little speck of insignificant dust. You need to see yourselves not as a screw up and a mess up and a fall short. You need to see yourself as God's children. You need to see yourself as a branch. You need to see yourself as a sheep. And Jesus said, because that's what God wants you to know. Because here's what happens when we follow God. When we follow God, we find, when we follow Jesus, we find out what God is like. When we follow Jesus, we find out what God is like. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is start the journey by following. I mean, man, that's, that's revolutionary. That is so big. But watch this, because Jesus, he doesn't stop here. These four people that we're mentioning... Simon, Andrew, James, and John, four of the first disciples or apostles, like the big shots in the church, they started by following. And it didn't end there. Watch this. Go on down. Mark chapter 2, verse 14 says this. As he walked along, everyone read this with me. As he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. And you know what he said? Come on, read it with me. Hey, follow me. Now, this, is, this gets better by the minute. This gets better by the minute. Here's why. Because, again, Jesus, the invitation is, hey, I want you to follow me, which was no problem for Simon, Andrew, James, and John. So when Jesus is walking along, you know who's following him? Simon, Andrew, James, and John. So he's not walking alone. He's got four guys walking with him. And the Bible says they come up to the tax collector's booth, and there's a guy sitting there. And the Bible says here, Levi, we also, some of you guys know this, his name is also Matthew, the guy who wrote the book of Matthew. And the Bible says Jesus comes up to him and gives him the same call. This is so big. I hope you guys don't miss this. He gives him the same call that he gives the other four. Just come follow me. Just come follow me. I think right away, man, the four disciples were like, wait a minute, you can't have Matthew follow us. He's a sinner. In fact, he's not just a sinner. He's the worst kind of sinner. He's a tax collector. Anybody, how many people here love to pay taxes? Exactly. We like to pay taxes today as much as they like to pay taxes then. They had taxes in the Roman Empire the same way we have taxes today in the United States government. They collected a little bit different. Here's how tax collecting happened in the first century in the Roman Empire. Caesar would demand a certain... He broke his entire kingdom... His entire re, into these regions, into these provinces. And he appointed governors. He appointed people, procurators over those areas. And part of their job was to collect taxes in their areas. Well, one man couldn't collect taxes over a whole area. So he would basically, he would pawn out or he would hire people to set in specific areas to collect taxes on behalf of the procurator to, collect, to send ultimately up to Caesar. And everybody taxed on a percent because that's how they got paid. It was a pyramid scheme kind of like it is today. Anyways, everybody kind of tacked on their percent. And here's what happened. So it was best to get somebody who knew the language and the culture to collect taxes. So inside of Jerusalem, inside of this area, do you know who collected taxes from the Jews? A Jewish person. Now, wait, wait, wait. They were underneath the Roman empire. They hated the, they hated Rome. They hated the Roman empire. And for a Jew to collect taxes from other Jews on behalf of the Roman Empire, it was absolute betrayal. 
It was, it was, it was so like you were, you weren't just like a regular sinner. You were the worst sinner. Like there was like, like the list of sins, like you, there's murderers and liars and there's mother-in-laws and then like sinners and like you go all the way down and then there's like, oh wait, you're a tax collector. And so watch, this is so big. Watch, watch, watch. This is so huge because you have to believe that the other four disciples, when Jesus told Matthew, the tax collector to follow, you better believe they were like, wait a minute, he can't follow. He's a tax collector. Do you know why? And I'm telling you, nothing's changed in 2000 years because a lot of us in this room, because of the religious system you've grown up with, because of the way you think about what a Christian is, when some people show up at church or when some people even talk about Jesus, you get that same righteous, false indignation. Wait, you can't be a Christian. You're a homosexual or you're a Democrat or you're, wait a minute. And all of a sudden we start, and Jesus, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't say you had to believe anything yet. I didn't say you had to do anything yet. It's just an invitation to follow. Jesus invited everybody, every culture, every creed, every color, every value system to follow. There is no exclusion to the invitation to follow. Here's why. Because you'll never believe unless you first follow. You'll never be a disciple unless you believe, unless you first follow. And so Jesus is like, hey, hey, whoa, 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 listen, listen. It's not our job to kind of divvy up who can follow and who cannot. All of us are welcome to follow. And so this is good news because some of you are here and some of you in this room and like your idea of what a Christian is, is, is like it's, you know, this, this thing that you don't ever want to be and you're not sure you want in. I just want you to know, or maybe you're here, you kind of want in, but you don't feel like you're good enough to be in. And you're like, I, I, would, I would love to love Jesus, but I'm not religious. I got good news, news for you. Matthew wasn't religious either. If you're here and you're like, hey, I would love to follow. I mean, can you imagine if Jesus showed up right here? Imagine if Jesus showed up at work tomorrow, at your work, and said, hey, I want you to follow me. Maybe I'm the only one, but I started thinking about that. And, like, I, like, love this stuff, read this stuff, try to live this stuff. I started thinking, I think, let me get some stuff in order first. <laughs> like, you know, let me, like, filter some language. I probably can't tell Jesus that joke. Right? How many people with me? Like, I need to clean. Wait, whoa, whoa. Jesus like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't have to do anything. I'm just asking you to follow. Because your idea of who God is and your idea of who you are has been lost in religion. And in our culture, it's been lost in cultural Christianity. He said, I'm just asking you to follow me. And if you'll follow me, following me is figuring out and beginning to understand who God is. And it's not just understanding who God is, but remember the first invitation. Go back up, pull up Mark chapter one, verse 17. Watch this. Mark chapter one, verse 17. Jesus said this, read it again. Jesus called out to them. He said, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. You know what he's saying? Hey, there's nothing wrong with fishing, but he's saying, when you follow me, not only do you find out who God is, but when you start following, when you start accompanying yourself with Jesus, you don't just find out who God is, you find out who you are. See, a lot of us in this room, we think the idea is that Jesus came to make bad people good people. Jesus came to make everyday people followers. That's why he came. And when you start to follow, hear me, no matter what your background is, whether you think you're a good person or a bad person, Jesus will help you understand what your meaning is, 
what your purpose is, what your destiny is. All of a sudden you start to realize that Jesus made a difference in this world. And if we follow Jesus and we're like Jesus, we can make a difference too. If we love people and help people, minister to people, if we do what Jesus did, then we can have the same influence and impact that he had. I want you to know something. You want to ask a a really crazy question? I'm asking you all what a Christian is. Ask our culture what a Christian is. And you won't get a very good response. Do you know why? Because we've adopted a lifestyle and we've adopted an idea and we've adopted a thought that Jesus never intended. But if we'll be followers, listen, listen. If we'll be followers, people you work with will want to be like you. They'll want to spend time with you. It's not a religious system. It's not a way. It's not this whole thing you do on Sunday. It's not, it's not that you're a Republican or a Democrat. It's just following Jesus and finding out who, who God is and what God is like. And as you follow Jesus and you find out who God is and what God is like, all of a sudden it falls back on you and you start finding out who you are. That I have value, that I have purpose. I'm not an accident. I was a creation. That I have significance. And there's nothing wrong with fishing, but man, I want real meaning and purpose in this life. I want when I die to know that I made a difference in this world. And the only way I can do it is to find out why my creator created me. And you can only find that out if you follow. Everybody say follow. So what would happen? This is where we're going to go through this series is what would happen if you follow Jesus, right? The same way we follow each other. How many social media people we got in the house? We got some Instagram people and Twitter people and Facebook people. You know, there's a lot of stuff. If you follow someone on social media, you can find out a lot about them. You can find out what they like. You can find out, you know, I know we put the rose-colored glasses on Facebook. Nobody puts on Facebook. I woke up, argue with my wife, beat my kid, and kick my dog. No one ever puts that No one ever puts the bad, but you can get an idea when you follow somebody what they're like. And when you follow somebody, here's, watch, watch. Jesus' invitation to follow, it's relational. It's not religion. Come and spend time with me. Come and shadow me. Come and go where I go. Watch what I do. Listen to how I talk. Take notes when I speak. Just spend time with me. Come and follow me. It's like this. I, I know some of you guys who are parents, you, you get this. Um, you know, we have three kids. Most of you guys know this. We have three kids. And, and our kids our, our kids are a mixture of Sean and I, and, uh, which is scary. And you all know this. How many people have had when your kids act like you in a good way and you're like, yes, they're getting it. Yes, they like, yes, they got it. And that's wonderful. But by far, the worst is when your kid acts like you and it's not a good thing. You're like, oh, no. Like they talk like you talk or they say something you say and you're like, no, he never says that. I don't know where he got that from. (laughs) My wife looks at me. She's like, you've ruined our kids. And I'm like, I'm trying. (laughs) Do you know why your kids act like you? Watch. Do you know why? Because they follow you. In the same way, a kid becomes a parent by following the parent. Jesus said, if you'll follow me, you'll know me so intimately. Watch. Watch. That eventually, if you follow long enough, you'll start to believe. You don't have to make anybody believe. It's not your job to make people believe. You can't make people believe. We're going to see this in a second, but watch, watch. This is is so big. He's saying, all I want you to do is, is just follow me. 
That's all you got to do. And he said, watch, when you follow, remember, watch, when you look at Jesus and you're not sure about who Jesus is, the disciples, they weren't 100% sure. And then all of a sudden, they watched him raise somebody from the dead. Remember the story of Lazarus? You better believe when they walked away from the tomb and a guy who had been dead walked out of a tomb after he'd been dead three days, all of a sudden they start saying, wait, there's something special about Jesus. He might just be the son of God. When he calls somebody who couldn't walk, who had been lame for 38 years to get up and walk, to take his mat and walk and go home, and they seen that and they spent time with him, they said, wait, there's something special about Jesus. He really is the unique son of God. When he hung on a cross, all of a sudden, all the hope died. All the air was sucked out of the room. But on the third day, when the tomb was empty, all of a sudden, because they followed for three and a half years, they came to an incredible conclusion that surely this is the Christ. This is God's son. I'm not just a follower anymore. I'm a believer. And when you start believing, because this is how it happens. When you start believing something long enough, it changes the way you think. And you change the way you think long enough, and you'll change the way you live. See, we're trying to get, we're trying to get, my job isn't to get you to live a, my job is not behavior modification. That's not my job. Listen, I'm having a hard enough time with my kids. Think I can do it with church with a couple thousand people? I lose my mind. My hair would turn gray. Exactly. <laughs> it's not my job. My job each and every week is to put God in front of you, just as bait. Say, come on, come and follow Him. Just come and follow Him. And some of you in, the, in this room, you're like, Pastor, I'm like, I'm, I got it. I'm like, I've already been following. In fact, Pastor, I am a believer. Some of you are like, I'm not just a believer. I'm a, I'm a I'm a, I'm a really, I'm a disciple. Jesus is my rabbi. He's my teacher and I'm doing what he does. I'm saying what he says. A disciple is somebody, again, that makes, we make the decision to make the decisions of Jesus, our decision. We're gonna do what he does. Some of you are saying, like, I'm already there. I'll give you one more thing as we close. Watch this. John chapter one, watch it. The next day, read it with me. Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip. Now this is the fifth guy, our sixth guy. He found Philip and he said to me, come on, he says it over and over, read it, come and follow me. Real simple. And Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. And Philip went to look for Nathaniel. Don't miss this. And he told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now stop. So Jesus comes. Now he's got five guys with him that we know of. He's got Simon, Andrew, James, John, and Matthew. Now he comes with the sixth guy, Philip. Hey, Philip, same invitation. Yeah, but Philip wasn't a good guy. Doesn't matter. But Philip didn't believe yet. Doesn't matter. Philip, hey, come follow me. Now we have to believe there's a little bit of a time gap between these two things that happened, but So Philip's following for a while. And because he followed, he started believing. And he believes so much, he believes, watch this, this is so big, he believes that Jesus is unique. He believes that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, we don't use that term, but the word Messiah, basically what he's saying is, hey, we found hope in this broken, hurting Roman Empire where there's slavery and there's abuse, and we found hope. In this dark world, there's light. And so he runs for his friend, Nathaniel, and he tells him, hey, I found somebody, and I think you should follow him. And notice, notice, watch Nathaniel's response, verse 46. Nazareth, 
He exclaimed, Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Read it with me. Philip says, come and see for yourself. Watch this. Following people, find people that need to follow. Following people, find people that need to follow. That's your job. If you're a follower, then your job is as you follow Jesus, as you listen to Jesus, as you spend time with Jesus, that when you start to find out who he is and what he can do, that you need to go find other people that need to follow Jesus. Because Philip, man, he started following. And as he followed, he started believing. And the first thing he did is he ran and he found other people that needed to follow. Hey, and notice this. Go back to this verse. He says, hey, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He said, I don't even believe in that guy. Your job is not to convince anybody to believe. Your job is not to convince anybody to behave. Our job is to invite people to follow. Like this ought to be like a relief to a lot of you because do you know the reason most of us don't share our faith or don't engage in evangelism? Because we're afraid that we can't convince people to believe and we're afraid that they're gonna judge us for calling them to behave. It's not your job. Hey man, hey, hey Nathaniel, I found hope. Come here, I'll show you where it's at. Come and follow him. What would happen? If you stop being a Christian, because here's the calls we close today. Here's the challenge of today. And I want you to post this on Facebook and people are going to hate me for it. But you'll know what I mean because you were here. I challenge you to give up your Christianity. Give up your religious system defined by a skewed understanding of who God is, who you are, and all of this mess that most of us can't define and the world looks down at. And I challenge you to take the step to not be a Christian, be a follower. If you're already there, then be a believer. Get your faith out there. I believe God. I believe he's, no one, listen, nobody can convince me otherwise. I am absolutely convinced. I'm telling you this as your pastor. I'm 100% convinced that Jesus Christ was the living son of God, that he lived for me, he died for me, and he lives forevermore. And because he lives, I live also. I'm convinced of that. No one can unconvince me of that. That's mine. And so now my daily journey, my daily journey is now to be a disciple. That as I hear him, I watch what he does. I watch what he says. I try to apply it and I don't always do it well because he can't drive as fast as I go. But when I'm still and when I'm slow, I want to be a disciple. So Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that God, you would call people in this room. God, to abandon religion. God, to abandon a cultural idea that God has been skewed and lost through the centuries. And I pray that, God, we would go back to the original idea of just following you, of spending time with you, of associating ourselves with you. Because, God, as we do, we're going to find out some amazing things about who God is. And we're going to find out some amazing things about who we are. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, make us followers. God, help us reach the place when we follow long enough that we become believers. And I pray for many of us in this room that ultimately we will make the decision to make your decisions our decision. God, to be a disciple. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Hey, come on, let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing this song before we go. Let's open our hearts.